Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with John Pisonen, co-founder and CEO of Maxwell, on how millennial and Gen Z homebuyers are transforming the mortgage market, and the July payrolls figures. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry. The firm has consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in Mortgage, Accounting Today Firms to Watch, and the fastest growing firms. The firm has also received multiple awards for excellence in firm culture from inside public accounting. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. Please answer the short questionnaire at the end of the podcast. Okay, just kidding. I've grown to really dislike a survey request after I stay at a hotel, fly somewhere, or fill up at the gas station. But for brokers who wouldn't mind providing a little input, a fintech company that I know of is looking for a preferred tech stack. Brokers who wouldn't mind shooting me a quick email, it can be anonymous, just reply to the commentary, listing your preferred technology providers for a pricing engine, point of sale, and loan origination system, and why would be appreciated. Streamlining the borrower experience is the name of the game, if one can find LOs and borrowers. With that in mind, help in finding LOs that match the strengths of your company so they are successful with the greater opportunity of retaining them for the long run is always a good thing. And thus, Jeff Walton from Ingenious is co-hosting the Mortgage Collaborative's Rundown today at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. I hear this time and time again. If companies think that they're going to continue to expand and grow by ignoring and mistreating their customers, they haven't been paying attention to what happens in the marketplace. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the podcast, John Pasonen, co-founder and CEO of Maxwell, the leading digital mortgage solutions platform for small to mid-sized lenders, where he leads a team of more than 270 across four regions. He's a tech entrepreneur with extensive experience driving growth initiatives, and he's held leadership roles at American Express, where he managed the premium charge cards business line, and PayPal, where he led global corporate strategy prior to co-founding Maxwell in 2015. John co-founded Maxwell to arm lenders serving America's communities with the efficiencies and economies of scale they need to compete against the industry's largest players. Since then, he has grown the company to serve more than 300 local lenders across America with comprehensive solutions that address the entire mortgage origination process. The Maxwell platform has facilitated over $150 billion in loan volume, helping its customers enhance the borrower experience by closing loans 13 days faster. There's several things I want to talk to you about today. Uh, and, and one of which is, is about millennial and Gen Z homebuyers, of which I am one. <laughs> How are millennial and Gen Z homebuyers transforming the mortgage market? Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. I feel like, uh, you know, the industry we've been talking about millennials uh, and maybe Gen Z is a little newer for, for uh, a decade now, but uh, <laughs> maybe you know, a decade ago it was they're coming. Now it's they're actually here. Uh, you know, so millennials and Gen Z you know, uh, according to CoreLogic, made up about 70% of first-time homebuyer applications last year. So this is a force to be reckoned with, the largest generation since the baby boomers, right? It's the only generation that's still growing. And if you think about that, it's like, well, they've all been born, but it's still growing through immigration, right? And so you've also got this population that's not just huge, but is growing and moving through peak home buying age in their mid, mid-30s. mid And the average age of a millennial is, is 34, 35 years old. Right, and so they're they're really a force to be reckoned with, 
And um, I think they're affecting how all institutions are approaching consumer acquisition, consumer relationships, right? The things they demand from their service providers is very different than their parents. Um, and we certainly know this is a generation that has a lot of challenges, which I think we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, um, you, know, you can't run a business today, certainly not in mortgage, and, and sort of ignore uh, you know, this huge population that's going to really determine your future for the next decade. Yes. So the way that these generations consume media is different from previous generations. They obviously have different sartorial taste as well. When it comes to mortgage, what are some mortgage assistance programs or mortgage programs that are available to millennial and Gen Z homebuyers that they might not know about or should consider? Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of originators are familiar with FHA, certainly. And I think that's, um, it's important. It's a, it's a way for people that are of lower income to have access to, to a home. Um, it's obviously not just for first-time home buyers. I think it's interesting that today, uh, um, you know, FHA buyers are making up a smaller and smaller portion of the market. Um, I think the stat I saw was, was six and a half percent of single family purchase volume was FHA, whereas a year ago that was 8%. And so what you're seeing right now is, is as every originator knows, this huge competition with cash, right? I just saw a stat today that, that cash is making up an even larger proportion of, of home purchases, right? Uh, I think it's 35% of, of homes sold in Q2 were cash purchases. And so as a millennial entering the market, burdened with student loans, how do you confront that? And so there's certainly products also from Fannie and Freddie, like Fannie's Home Ready Mortgage product, you know, to give access to a lower down payment options and, and lower credit score access to homes uh, with just 3% down. Um, and then I think, you know, like any millennial turning to lenders that can do more unique portfolio products, right? Credit unions uh, come to mind, community banks come to mind, right? And so local lenders are really in a great place right now to cater to first-time home buyers and borrowers with less than perfect credit scores or lower down payments or, um, you know, just sort of higher debt load from student loans. And so, um, um, yeah, I think, you know, any originator and lender that's not thinking about how they cater to this group with the product set that they have um, is probably doing their LOs a disservice. I want to, I want to move forward subjects slightly here and talk about technology and data because you run a digital mortgage solutions platform for small to mid-sized lenders. And, and it seems like a motif of a lot of interviews I've done over the last several months is the importance of data, the integrity, the efficiencies it brings to your operation. Can you talk a little bit about how better data-driven processes secure cheaper, cheaper rates for borrowers and also reduce lender risk? Yeah, I, I guess before I get into into that specific question, I think you know we all firstly have to recognize that millennials and Gen Zs are digital natives, right? Um, you know, they were uh, some of them were born with with smartphones, not not far behind, um, right? Whereas me or my parents' generation, you know, computers were a relatively new thing, right? Um, and uh, you know, were fairly unusual, and so that that ability to provide a digital experience which means personal service delivered through digital medium uh, is, is really important. You know, I thought it was really interesting in the recent uh, Fannie Mae homebuyer sentiment survey, most borrowers want to deal with a real human being. And I think a lot of lenders um, think about uh, 
um, you know, removing the human from the process. When in actuality, what their customers want is more human, right? And so really the role of technology is about efficiency and powering the human being. Yeah, you know, I love the story that, that Steve Jobs told once about um, um, Scientific American and how the magazine looked at what is the most efficient creature on the planet, right? The, the, the creature that can move from point A to point B with the least amount of energy exertion. And what Scientific American found is that, you know, the, the human being, the crown of creation was way down on the list, you know, in the hundreds. So very, we're very inefficient creatures. The most efficient was, was the condor, right? It could move from point A to point B with the least amount of, 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 of calorie exertion. And then someone at Scientific American had this great idea to put a human being on a bicycle. And all of a sudden, the human being way outshot the candor in terms of, of calorie consumption to move from point A to point B. And so we at Maxwell, we think about software a little bit like the bicycle for the mind, right? Which is we're enabling the humans to continue to be human beings, to continue to offer service to their customers, but to do it with the power of software that moves them forward. So an example is, you know, with the efficiencies we provide to loan officer, the average LO on Maxwell outproduces the industry benchmark by about 20% every single month. That means they're doing 20% more closed loans per month than the industry average. And it's not because they're necessarily better loan officers, but it's because they have the efficiency of the platform that's helping move that borrower through the funnel that much quicker, right? We're getting stuff done at the right time in parallel to, to the human actually providing the counsel and the advice through the process. And so where we always try to look at where there's technology opportunity is, is efficiency, right? How do we help a, a processor move loans through more quickly, more fully and better quality? How do we help an underwriter make decisions quickly? And then when it comes to the secondary market, how do we take that great loan that we've just originated with our partners and put that in the secondary market and deliver an average of, of 21 basis points back in, into the loan? So I think it's, it's about reducing the cost um, in, in increasing the productivity, right? I mentioned some stats there on loan officer productivity, and then ultimately giving better economics in the secondary market that they can pass on to their customer. And then the last thing I would highlight is, uh, you know, the ability for data to recognize when a consumer is a better fit for a loan that that loan officer may not know about, right? We're entering a phase where non-QM is, is kind of coming back on the headlines again, and um, you know, loan officers are being required to remember all these guidelines for all these different loan programs. That's a great area for software to help, right? To say, hey, this this person looks like they could be in a CRA zone, right? And and, and may may qualify for a, a CRA loan. That we know those are going to be much better economic. So how do we help help that match happen rather than finding that out after the fact? Let's actually dig into that for a second here because. Your platform is geared for small to mid-sized lenders and, and helps them compete against the industry's largest players that have natural economies of scale. Can you kind of take us inside the factory and explain how you're able to do that? Yeah. So, you know, we, you know, if, if you look at the number of loans that passed through the Maxwell platform last year, we would have been equivalent to maybe the number four or five retail lender in the United States. And so even though we have these individually small institutions on our platform, community banks, credit unions, independent mortgage banks, our scale is enormous. And so we're able to use that, that breadth of data um, to drive insights that allow us to move mortgages quickly to do experimentation um, on, on how we can improve their process. <clears throat> I'll give you a simple example, which is the loan application. And you know, we're just coming off of about a year and a half of looking at <clears throat> loan application conversion rates, start to finish rates, 
data rates and every little piece of the of the loan application in Maxwell has been studied and 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 looked at and you know we go to our customers and we say hey what's your loan application conversion rate of the people who start how many finish and many of them don't know right um, what we found on average in a traditional system is typically 50 to 60% um, we've been able to get that loan complete loan application completion rate into the 90 percentile range right and so 10% a 10 percentage point gain, 20 percentage point gain in the number of loan applications you're taking in, right? That's going to drive that much better conversion and, and engagement and ultimately close loans for your business. Um, so that's where we have just this advantage of having data across hundreds of lenders, um, being able to do experiments on very small scale that we can that we can roll out um, on a much on a much broader basis. <laughs> and I have heard you are a proponent of blockchain. So I want to close with a blockchain related question. How do mortgages or better yet, why do mortgages present a genuine real life application for blockchain? Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious on your view and, and what you're seeing out there. I think, um, you know, we, we, we think blockchain is an interesting technology. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a, a database. And, but what's unique about it is that it's immutable, right? And that it can be a transparent platform in which um, loan data can be written to, and then can be reviewed, and all the changes and change log can be seen by all the people downstream from the process. And so um, that idea is really powerful in mortgage, where this this loan is originated and then effectively turned into security that's bought and sold and needs to be reviewed and understood. Right? Uh, the, the 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 aggregators and buyers of these loans want to understand their content. And so blockchain could really help lower that cost and increase transparency and speed of these transactions and, and, and bolster the security in the market because of better record keeping, better tracking, better change log reviews, um, and, and removing a lot of the unnecessary costs and waste uh, that happen through that loan process. My thoughts would, I actually have two thoughts on the matter. One is that mortgage is the the secondary market for mortgages is the perfect application for blockchain because regardless of the number of times a loan is transacted, that information is always there. The data is clean. Uh, it's easy to transfer, yet there's one, one uniform log and record right. of it. However, my second thought is that as much as the mortgage industry likes to talk about digitization, digitalization, uh, all, these, all these kind of tech buzzwords, they are still kind of behind the ball in a lot <laughs> of ways. still using spreadsheets. <laughs> spreadsheets yeah. and printing out documents and this and that. And so uh, I, do, I do believe it is the future. It's just a, a question of how long it takes to get there. Uh, That's right. And I think it, like any, any big technology change, um, you, know, you have to find a niche in, in which to, to, to start. And so I think the question is, we all agree blockchain is applicable, but in order for it to be, uh, to be real, so many stakeholders have to buy into it, right? And so is there a particular niche where blockchain can start to have an impact and grow from there? Um, and I think that's a question that maybe no one's answered yet, or maybe some people have um, in, in finding what those niches are, where you can kind of corner a segment of the market and, and start using blockchain in a real way that others start to buy in. And over time, you know, and that could be half a decade or more, Right, it starts to become more of an accepted standard. But I agree with you; it's not going to happen. It's not blockchain is not going to happen tomorrow. And you know, we don't talk a lot about it, other than we think it's really interesting and valuable and something for the future. Um, and uh, certainly, like to stay stay in touch with all the folks that are doing interesting things in the space. There, 
And speaking of the future, I would like to stay in touch with you and have you back on the show. I very much enjoyed this. So, John, I appreciate you making the time and thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. We're part of a global economic village. Yesterday, the Bank of England raised its bank rate by 50 basis points to 1.75% and increased its forecast for peak inflation in the fourth quarter to 13.3% from 13.1%. The central bank also warned that the UK is headed for a recession. All economic news is viewed in terms of how it will or won't fit into the Fed's narrative of inflation and the economy. Ahead of today's payrolls report, we received some labor market indicators yesterday. U.S. employers announced nearly 26,000 job cuts in July, according to outplacement firm Challenger Gray in Christmas. The figure is down 21% from June, but up about 36% from a year ago. The job market remains tight, evidenced by a series low of job cuts, 159,000, for the first seven months of the year which goes all the way back to 1993. Though there are some indicators that hiring is slowing after months of growth, large-scale layoffs have not begun. Initial jobless claims ticked up slightly to 260,000. All eyes are on July's employment stats released this morning. Non-farm payroll, for example, is a leading indicator for the Fed as it looks to continue its path of monetary policy. Mortgage rates held steady through the week, but volatility could return with today's release. The headline numbers show non-farm payrolls were in at 528,000 versus forecasts of 220 to 250,000. The unemployment rate came in at 3.5% versus forecasts of 3.8.6%. Hourly earnings were up half a percent versus expectations of 0.3%. And the labor force participation rate came in at 62.1%, which was down 0.1% from June. We begin Friday with agency MBS prices worse a half and the 10-year yielding 2.79 after closing yesterday at 2.69 due to the surprisingly strong employment data that was just released. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. No matter how much you push the envelope, it'll still be stationary. To stay competitive in this market, lenders need to find efficiencies and understand their operations in a much deeper way. Richie Mays Consulting, Business Intelligence, and Automation Services are designed by mortgage experts to help you continue to drive growth and increase profitability. Visit richiemay.com advisory to learn more about how you can differentiate your business or set up a meeting with one of Richie Mays experts. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.